born to serve. My eyes see injustice, my hands work for change, my tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. The love of Allah combined with hope. Let's hold hands as we make a start. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum. Welcome back, respected listeners. 91.3 FM it is. My name is Muhammad Sheikh and bringing to you this evening Born to Serve, featuring leaders in our community that have made a difference, are making a difference, and whose legacy in their respective fields will continue flourishing and thriving. For many a generation to come. Wherever you are, I hope you're safe. I hope you're well. And the week has been treating you kind. And uh, indeed, uh, looking forward to this evening. This evening, we have an interesting personality um, that I'd like to uh, profile. And that is none other than Miss Angela Morton. Welcome. Thank you, Bharat. Thank it, you. It's good to be here. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure from our side. Okay, so just uh, some brief into your current situation. Before we get there, I believe that uh, you do have a diploma in counseling and communications. You are a certified therapeutic hypnotherapist. That's mm, right. Just getting the hibijibis <laughs> there. I won't look at you. <laughs> <laughs> and then also um, accredited time to think coach. And then interestingly, complementing all of this, a certified mama bama doula and doula trainer. That's right. I okay, am. so we've got a mixed array of everything. But before we get before we get into where you are currently, let's let's just maybe walk into your journey growing up. So who is Angela Morton? Right, I am the youngest of three children, mm-hmm. um, two older brothers, born and bred. Real Carpenar, mm-hmm. uh, educated in uh, Micklefield Junior School, Rustenburg High School. Um, not much of a scholar, unfortunately, but I didn't realize it at the time and launched out of school into university. Uh, first year social work, which was more social than work. So okay. it didn't really work. <laughs> so <laughs> sure. at the end of that year, I left and I went nursing. Um, mm. And the nursing also I was a bit emotionally immature for. So I wasn't geared towards the blood and guts and the dying babies and all of that. So um, I did what most other good girls did, and I joined the secretarial college and became a secretary. Okay, so interesting. So spent many years in admin, um, very dissatisfied with the process, in fact, because mm-hmm. um, it was just a means to an end. It wasn't what I wanted to do. There was always a longing for something more, and I knew I'd sort of been on track with nursing and social work but wasn't quite sure Mm. and um, yeah went through various other processes of owning my own little craft business uh, computer programming numerous other bits and pieces until I eventually ended up um, through a lot of uh, rough stuff which we won't go into now but I landed up in a clinic for depression okay and um, that was when I kind of hit rock bottom you would call it something like a nervous breakdown I guess Mm -hmm. and um, when I put myself back together after that I realized things had to change Mm. definitely big changes needed to happen but I wasn't quite sure how surely alrighty okay so that's like the long and short of it yeah Um, what was it like growing up? You know, um, did you have this flavorful, bubbly personality? Everything smooth sailing, perhaps? Um, I was always kind of quiet in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, not the forefront, wa- not one of the cool kids, no. Okay. Definitely not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I was always sort of an observer in a way, I guess. I, I like to observe people, and I mm-hmm. think that. From that, I realized that I kind of knew quite a bit about people from quite an intuitive perspective. Okay. Um, People always used to come to me with their issues Mm. um, right from the word go. So playing Dr. Phil from a young age already? Kind of, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't quite have the tools yet. Okay, okay. I guess that would have come with experience, time, challenges, and so forth. Okay, I mean, and, you know, furthermore, um, tell us a little bit about your family. Um, well, 
I think you know my eldest brother. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in a studio somewhere up here. Probably right <laughs> next to he, us. He yes. is somewhere. Yeah, I was <laughs> listening to him on my way here. Um, so y- you kind of know about him. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. My, my middle brother is a chef, and he's been in the UK for the last 20 years. Oh, okay. He also did a big sort of midlife change. He was um, uh, very sort of much in the executive arena. And uh, in his late 30s, looked like he was about to burn out and went, that's enough. Mm. Quit his job, studied to be a chef, and uh, has had his own restaurants. And he's now, as I said, been in the UK for the last pr- pretty much 20 years. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Very wonderful. happily being creative in the kitchen. All right. Flavorful. And then obviously... Uncle Shafiq Morton, I call him Uncle, well, everybody would know him as Mr. Shafiq Morton, or Drive Time, uh, needs no introduction. He's been with us since inception, Absolutely. I guess, so everybody does know. So yes, uh, it's it's wonderful to be chatting. Uh, let's get the train of order. Who's who's the eldest or who calls the shots? Shafiq. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have thought so. Uh, but yes, I guess we're probably learning learning a different side to Uncle Shafiq. Yeah. Um, okay, wonderful. And, um, you know, growing up with this uh, this diversity between yours, uh, you know, parts and careers and where you'll find yourselves today, um, it didn't just come easy. No, it was a journey. It was a, a long journey of almost uh, many years of knowing that there was something else, mm-hmm. knowing that there was something that I needed to be doing that I could be doing but not knowing how to get there and not even actually knowing what it was right until literally you know the universe said well let's just rip you apart and rebuild you which mm-hmm. is what the breakdown basically was for me okay. something that was very hard but it was nothing that I regret because mm. it put me on the right path absolutely and um it was basically through the therapy that I had there, which a lot of synchronicities kind of mm-hmm. stepped in and, and guided me along the path, that I met with somebody who became a bit of a mentor for me and certainly a big teacher. Wonderful. Who was li- uh, well, yeah, a life coach. She, was a, she is an Enneagram teacher and okay. a journey therapist. Um, Marlene Wilson, she's really amazing. Mm. And through working with her, I suddenly discovered what my life's purpose was. And that was pulling together all the aspects of myself Mm -hmm. um, into being a life coach, which was where I started um, with the the process. Wonderful. At the ripe old age of 49, I went back to school. Okay. <laughs> to Interesting. I like, I like the way you captioned that. But for now, let's head back to the marketplace. We'll resume shortly thereafter. Keep it locked to 91.3 FM. Born to serve. My eyes see injustice. My hands work for change. My tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. My heart. The love of Allah combined with hope. Let's hold hands as we Welcome back, respected listeners. My name is Muhammad Sheikh, right here on Born to Serve, featuring leaders in our community. And this evening, yes, we are tackling along the procession, I would call, of Uncle Shafiq, um, as we have his younger sister with us in studio, Angela Morton, who we are featuring on a Born to Serve with a very interesting, I would call it flavorful array of... Uh, portfolios which she holds at this point in time but uh, a journey nonetheless a journey nonetheless getting there welcome back thank you so um before 49 i think <laughs> <laughs> let's keep it that way the the ripe young age of 49 w- what were your ambitions growing up i know you said you went into social work you went into nursing at some stage but what did you always want to be and how did that change along the way I didn't know what I wanted to be. That was the whole problem, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew that I wasn't doing what it, what I was meant to be doing. Mm-hmm. I knew that there was something far bigger. You know, when we, we, we sit in with the question of what am I here for? Mm-hmm. And so that was a big portion of my questioning. Life was just kind of sweeping me along and I was going with the flow. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really even fighting with the flow. I just went with it, but it was not a happy flow. It was not a contented, fulfilling flow. Mm-hmm. 
And um, it was really around, um, you know, as I said, synchronistic people coming into my life. And it mm -hmm. was a procession, a procession of them, one after the other. Okay. Um, where just little things were introduced and um, it just kind of happened, mm. you know. I just, I just trusted that that was where I needed to go. Mm -hmm. and went with it a lot of people probably listening out there might find themselves in a similar position there are plenty of us out there sure and <laughs> yeah. if you if you had to retrospect what simplify things for you what what do you think you could have done maybe in a different way to make your journey more pleasant i think i could have stood up and said i'm not choosing this okay i could have been stronger I could have been um, more assertive, I think. Mm -hmm. I could have gone, I'm not happy in this job. Let mm -hmm. me look and see what else there is that I can do. Instead of just almost being a victim of my circumstances. Mm. And they weren't difficult circumstances. I was just not content with right. what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So challenge the discontent mm. is, is, is something that I would have done differently. Okay, challenge the discontent. And, you know, um, in addition to that, w initially, what was your first recourse when a stumbling block came into your path? How would you respond to that and how do you do it differently post-49? What I used to do was bury my head in the sand. Okay. And pretend if it didn't exist, it would go away. Mm -hmm. Now I've learned about because I didn't do confrontation then I, I was terribly uncomfortable with confrontation mm -hmm. um, so I'd rather <coughs> just hoe it in and just not do anything about it so what post 49 was what I learned to do was to address things was to communicate okay. was to go inside and say what am I thinking what am I feeling what do I need to do about it mm. um, and that I learned through doing my um, SACAP, South African College of, Appl of Applied Psychology certification, okay. where it's a very applied certification. So it's not about just going there and doing a bunch of theory and then going out and practicing it. Mm -hmm. you're, you're applying it as you go. So the self-growth in that qualification was huge. Okay, wonderful. Um, and that was, and because I was one of the mature students, mm. <laughs> um, you know, I had a lot of stuff to work with. Okay, I would imagine so. I mean, it appears much more your junior, not having come through the rung of mm. life and the different, uh, you know, shiny rainbows that do exist. Yes. Um, psychology, b b did uh, l let's try and figure out, how did you end up there? Through going through therapy myself. Okay, okay. Wanting to do for other people mm -hmm. what had been done for me. Um, and, and I'd been in therapy, I suffered from postnatal depression um, many years prior to that and, and that didn't resonate for me then, being a psychologist. Mm -hmm. I, I, my thing was how boring. Yes. People listen to other people's problems all day, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh. Sure. But when I saw what it did for me, certainly in 2003, mm -hmm. um, that was then I realized that's what I wanted to do. and. Getting a clinical psychology degree at that point was going to be quite a lengthy process. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I also couldn't just quit my job. Yes. So I started at SACAP um, uh, part-time. Okay. And um, later on was able to go full-time for the, for the last year. Mm -hmm. But being in that, um, you know, that was sort of a compromise. But I realized it was the best way forward for me to, okay. d to do the applied psychology process. Mm. If there's a, the most important lesson, perhaps, that you take out from your part-time journey through psychology, what would it be? That there's always a way. <laughs> there Absolutely. is always a way. Mm -hmm. um, if you just look at the different angles, shift around, get a different perspective, you'll find a way. Wonderful. What are some of, or who are some of the people that you've interacted with, um, perhaps sharing similar journeys with you? Um, certainly clients. Okay. Um, that and and also colleagues. Mm -hmm. um, Interesting. People that I studied with. Mm -hmm. Certainly a lot of um, 
with the life coaching and the counseling that I do and you know bringing in the, the hypnosis work as well uh, people coming to me of all ages who are just dissatisfied mm. they, they know there's something out there they don't know what it is and working through them through through with the tools that I have mm. to find out what it is that that their gifts are well people have this perception that going to the shrink or the psychologist is a quick fix mm. and you kind of anticipate results almost imminently. Um, what is your take on that? Well, your clinical psychologist works differently to the kind of therapy that I do. Okay. I'm not just the talk therapy. Mm-hmm. Working with, with the hypnotherapy, um, it kind of short circuits the talk therapy mm-hmm. because you're working more with the unconscious mind. And it's not working with it in a way that I'm going to go into your head and divulge all the sort of dark, distant past mm. memories and things. It's not like that at all. Sure. It's simply bypassing the resistances in the conscious mind that we learn how to put forward. Mm-hmm. And we do need that because it's a way of protecting ourselves mentally, all the filter systems. Wonderful. Um, but in, when you're in a state of hypnosis, that can be pi- bypassed. And what then happens is all hypnosis is really a suggestion. It's okay. no more than suggestion. Right. So it's allowing those suggestions to land in the most sort of fertile place, as it mm-hmm. were, so that the change can happen. Wonderful. I think uh, for now, let's head back to the marketplace. We'll resume shortly thereafter on 91.3 FM. Keep it locked. Born to serve. My eyes see injustice. My hands will for change. My tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. The love of Allah combined with hope. Let's hold hands as we make a start. Alhamdulillah. 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 Welcome back, respected listeners. My name is Muhammad Sheikh, and this evening we are speaking to Angela Morton, the younger sister of Uncle Shafiq Morton, right here on Born to Serve, featuring leaders in our community that have made a difference and who are making a difference at present, whose legacy will continue flourishing. Now, one thing that intrigues me about this whole picture of yours, um, hypnosis, I gather, psychology, kind of interlinked life coaching you know with with somewhat similar spectrums i would imagine of objectives and aims to try and you know resolve that state of mind and the peace of heart how does you know being a doula and doula trainer fit into this whole picture beautifully wonderful <laughs> it, it walk us through it i'm curious well that was then the last part of my journey was um basically going getting my my SACAP qualification mm-hmm. and working with clients with the hypnotherapy i was noticing that most people have abandonment issues okay and when i i do work with regression work as well and noticing that a lot of people would go back to their births mm-hmm. and that the first moment of abandonment was at their birth true and so i went into looking at birthing Mm-hmm. And the next synchronicity was that one of my lecturers at SACAP had just done the doula training through Mama Bamba. Okay. And I knew that and I asked her where she'd done her training and she told me it was through Mama Bamba. And it went into one of those aha mm. moments. This is what I need to be doing. Mm-hmm. And basically the reason why is that then... As a doula, I can do my little bit towards changing those babies' birth experiences by changing the mother's birth experience. Mm. So the baby comes into the world and doesn't doesn't have this abandonment story. Sure. Because the the reports I was getting from my clients were were quite vividly um, doctors removing babies, putting them down, you know, in a cold brightly lit loud delivery room um you know not even wrapping the baby up yet because they were too busy doing their own thing talking about everything but the birth Mm -hmm. the mother being distressed the baby being aware of the mother's distress um the baby feeling that the mother wasn't interested all of this stuff 
Mm. So the mothers weren't prepared for the birth sufficiently sometimes, and it was very, very clinical. Okay. So um, I researched the method of doula training. There are two doula training processes. Mm -hmm. in Before we get into the methods, let's okay. just uh, paint a picture of uh, many many freeborns or mm. post-94 instead of 49 yes. would actually not have an appreciation for what a doula is or what a doula... Uh, profession entails. Could you walk us through that before we get to the different types? Absolutely. So, doula basically is a Greek word meaning woman servant. Okay. And it encompasses service at birth. Um, mm -hmm. a, a doula is not a midwife. We need to be quite clear on that. Okay. Uh, the scope of pra practice is very different. Um, the doula can't uh, do anything clinical at all. No examinations, no blood pressure measuring, nothing like that. Okay. She's primarily there for emotional, physical, mental, and informational support. Mm -hmm. So if we take it back to the birthing processes uh, before the sort of last century, um, there were no men in the delivery room. If there's a movie called The Red Tent, which was set in biblical times, and it was very much about the sacredness of woman power, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, women birthed women. They helped them. Um, there were midwives, you know, there are no mid-husbands, there are only midwives. Yes. Um, and doulas were not qualified people. They were brothers, uh, sorry, sisters, cousins, and that sort of thing, just supporting the woman at birth. Mm -hmm. And then um, they introduced sort of men into the birthing arena, and it became very medicalized. And okay. The women weren't mothers anymore, they were patients. Mm -hmm. And so it grew over the decades. And um, the doula kind of faded out. And there's been a resurgence of, of the doula in the last sort of couple of decades, more overseas yes. and more recently in South Africa. Mm -hmm. Just almost so that women can take their power back at birth because it, it became very disempowering for mm -hmm. them. And these are the, the, the babies that I am encountering through regression. Okay. Uh, those very clinical processes. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, the doula just softens the process. She mm -hmm. helps the mother understand what's going on. As I said, informational support. There's a lot of prep work before the birth. Okay. And then there's uh, postnatal care as well. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of sharing of informational support. She's available for any questions. You know, you don't want to phone your obstetrician just because you've got a tweak of pain somewhere that you, you don't know what it is. You mm -hmm. know, the doula can deal with that. Okay, um, interesting. And, you know, then when she starts going into labor, they're in contact. When the mother's ready to go into hospital or if it's a home birth, mm -hmm. the doula is with the, the mother then and, again, informational support. Okay. Um, through the birthing and the labor process, very much physical support. Mm -hmm. um, and then, obviously, post-delivery, she's there for a few hours just to make sure the baby gets to be breastfeeding properly mm -hmm. and the mother's comfortable. Um, one question that is always asked is, does the doula replace the birth partner? Okay, interesting. N no, the doula is very much part of bringing the birth partner in. Okay. I mean, you see a lot of first-time dads out there who mm -hmm. are terrified. Yes, of course. It's and a life-changing experience for them as well. Absolutely. It's not something that you use to every day that, oh, there's a child. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And they're not sure how they're going to deal with it if they're wanting to be part of the birth. Okay. Um, and sometimes the fathers don't want to be part of the birth, but when the doula comes in and explains everything, they feel safer to be there. Mm. Um, so, so it's not just focused at the mum or the no. wife yes interesting no. mm -hmm. it's focused on 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 the parents okay and wonderful. you know pulling the parents together showing the father how to support the mother mm -hmm. um, reassuring him when she's being very vocal about her contractions hurting her mm -hmm. that um, this is normal mm. and interesting uh, and is yeah. there a place for the scope of doula in the facility that we have nowadays, um, whether it's hospitals and things like that? It's coming in very definitely, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I guess the, the, the kind of expectation is on doctors and nursing staff to kind of be that 
clinician and doula two in one combination at the same time which i feel it's not always effective because there's a lot of clinical things going on mm. and you know if you don't offer that emotional support to that woman um it doesn't make the next pregnancy easier or the next delivery either no the the uh, the clinicians cannot do the doula work mm. because let's take a hospital birth for example um, you've got one obstetric nurse or midwife and she is working with maybe two or three mothers at the same time and her training is more along the lines of doing the clinical stuff mm -hmm. um, a lot of the home birth midwives are more um, you know, their, their clinical processes are, are, are the most important, but they do provide more of a cross-section into the doula role. Okay. Um, th and that's specifically in the home birth um, arena, in the home birth sector. But the hospital process, there is, you, the, the staff cannot be doulas. They cannot fulfill that role at Surely. all. And because the doula then is completely devoted to the mother, and she doesn't leave the mother's side from the moment she gets into hospital until after the baby's born. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the mother becomes quite dependent on the doula as, as being there for her. Okay. So she's never feeling abandoned. Mm. But if you take it, um, you know, a lot of the hospitals are getting used to it now. There was resistance to it from some of the um, sectors initially. Mm -hmm. But if we look at places like... Um, I work quite a bit at Takai Melamed. Okay. They are very doula friendly. Okay. They love us there. Wonderful. Um, Al Nisa Maternity Home. Um, there's a volunteer program running there for doulas. Oh, interesting. Student doulas. Uh huh. Um, and also for qualified doulas who go in and help the mums. Um, so there's a, a particular framework and a set course to actually go through. Um, training yes there is yeah. okay yeah. and this is an international thing that's been kind of or does it differ from country to country differs from country to country we uh, South Africa have um, got well Cape Town have got two main accreditations there's okay the wombs and then there's the Mama Bamba mm -hmm. and I'm one of the Mama Bamba trainers along mm -hmm. with Amy Monji um, we've just taken over from Robin Sheldon who was my teacher and Amy's teacher. We're doing the training now. She's um, pursuing other avenues okay. with Mama Bamba. And um, in fact, we've got a training starting on the 1st of September. Mm -hmm. So if there are any aspiring doulas out there who feel the calling, <laughs> <laughs> no, surely. Me. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Okay. So I think the, the importance is, um, or, or maybe just sh incorporating some focus. I think. Um, August in itself, among other importance, you know, shared within mm -hmm. uh, women and uh, women rights and advocating for that. Um, a lot of focus is also, at least more recently, thankfully, is dedicated to mental health and, mm. you know, mental health issues, especially stigma surrounding mental health. From a religious perspective, from a c cultural perspective, all around, there's always... Um, you know, people, uh, this is my very strong opinion, people don't appreciate mm. the importance of mental health. I mean, if you've got a leg that's chopped off, you go to the doctor, but the moment you have um, depression, you mm. kind of have to contain within it. Whereas they are equally important. If not, you know, depression might be long-standing and more, um, might make you more dysfunctional than, mm. you know, the chopped leg, for instance. Yeah. Uh, uh, whatever the case, I'm just being hypothetical. But I mean, that, that that's the problem. And h how do you how do you address this? How do you um, you know relive this need for understanding that mental health is important? You know, I think in a way the the mental health is a precursor to physical decline, mm -hmm. um, and I think that it needs to be completely focused on in a way that you know mental health needs support mm -hmm. people need to know that they can go for help surely um, people need to, to understand that if they are mentally unhealthy they're affecting people around them it's mm -hmm. it's a ripple effect in all directions and you know I encourage anybody who's suffering from depression or mm -hmm. is is even just sit, sitting with short-term um, issues that they need to deal with is just to literally go go for help 
because it can spiral out of control, mm-hmm. which mine did. And wow. it was needed at the time. I needed to have that crash, you know. Mm-hmm. It wasn't pleasant, but it was necessary. And it, you know, if, if I'd been um, more aware of it mm-hmm. and not just saying, well, it'll go away, it'll go away, it'll go away, which it didn't, you know, and, and I didn't recognize a lot of the warning signs either. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't need to go there. It doesn't need to get to that. Surely. Mm-hmm. It can be prevented. It can be, you know, like they say, with cancer detected at an early mm. stage. But I mean, here the, the the signs are alarming. But but I would imagine also it's you know with depression, for instance. I mean, that's the most or one of the most common presentations of mm. mental health. Um, it's very subtle. You know, you don't really know you're there unless you're there. Yes. And uh, it's problematic. Sometimes you don't even know you're there when you are there. Mm. And um, you know, I'm, I'm as a as a counselor and a life coach, I'm I'm not. I don't have a clinical qualification, so. I I'm not a diagnostician, mm-hmm. but I do have obviously a lot of experience in working with people with who who are mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that the hardest thing is for them to to get out of the hole, they need to acknowledge that they're in it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, which is quite a difficult one to work with, people need to almost be challenged to get out. Mm. And it's not well pull up your socks and jolly will make yourself sorted out and you know this sort of it, it isn't that it's getting people to realize that they have to take responsibility for themselves mm-hmm. and if there's one thing people you know they say to me what do you do as a counselor and a life coach and hypnotherapy mm-hmm. the hypnotherapist the bottom line is I facilitate in people taking responsibility for themselves okay so it's self-ownership self accountability I'm taking it. responsibility for myself yeah. and the decisions that I make belong to me as well absolutely I think um, it's quite quite important and you know, it's good that we're having this discussion because amongst the different vertebrae in the backbone of leadership I think mm. mental health and mental strength is always a top priority mm. at least it should be you mm. know as compared to um, uh, there's an interesting fact that I read um, uh, approximately by 2030, or is it 2040, one of the leading causes of death in the world would be depression. And at that alarming rate, uh, you know, what would you advise clients on recognizing, you know what, hey, I'm in trouble. Let's let's get something happening here. Listen to the people around them, because okay. you're often going to be told by your family, your friends, your 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 peers, What's wrong with you? Um, you know, you used to be bubbly, you used to, you know, be the life and soul of the party, whatever. What's happening to you? Mm-hmm. And that sort of starting to become more introvert or withdrawing from the world. Listen to the people around you who are noticing those signals and and take the help that they're offering. Wonderful. I think that's, that's an important factor. Mm. Um, h- how would you choose what type of support structure you need? in, you know, um, trying to deal with your issues or your problems? I think it depends very much on the individual. For mm-hmm. example, hypnotherapy is not for everybody. Okay. I've, I've got plenty of clients who don't want me to use hypnosis on them mm-hmm. for whatever reason is important to them. Um, but it is one of my most valued tools in terms of progress. Mm-hmm. Um, when a member of my own family needed to go for therapy, um, a few, a good few years ago, and I was already in the counselling arena. I offered them various options, and I said, "Now go away and do your research. Go mm-hmm. and Google whether you want to see a hypnotherapist or counsellor or a clinical psychologist." Or, and I gave a few other options. Go and research, and um, they came back and they said, "No, I'd, I'd like to do the hypnotherapy route." Okay, and um, so. If then if they're not in a position to choose, then the nearest and dearest need to choose for them. Mm. But when you go and you see a therapist of w- w- whichever um, arena they come from, you need to resonate with them. Mm-hmm. And I hear people who come to me after they've been seeing a different kind of a therapist to say, "I've made more progress with you in a month than I have in four years with that kind of a therapist." Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, "Well, why were you there for four years?" If you weren't making the progress. Um, What's keeping you there? What's keeping you held back in that sense? Mm. And 
part of the way that I work with people is I make sure that they do the work. You okay. Don't, I'm not doing your work for you. Surely. You're responsible for yourself, yeah. Absolutely. And if I've seen somebody for a few weeks and they're not doing the work, then I do challenge them on that. Okay. Yeah. It's so it's a two-way street totally. from what I'm hearing. On that note, let's head back to the marketplace and an interesting conversation we're having. And we'll be back shortly. Keep it locked. Born to serve. My eyes see injustice. My hands work for change. My tongue sings the sorrow of my heart. My heart. The love of Allah combined with hope. Let's hold hands as we make a start. Alhamdulillah. 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 Welcome back, respected listeners. 91.3 FM it is. My name is Muhammad Sheikh, and yes, we are speaking to Angela Morton on Born to Serve. She has a diploma in counseling and communications from the SA CAP, as well as she is a certified therapeutic hypnotherapist from the National School of Therapeutic Hypnosis, an accredited Time to Think coach, and a certified Mama Bamba doula and a doula trainer. And, you know, there is, from what I understand, there's a common link in between all of them. And it boils down to this triad of um, what people link to spirituality, but uh, the body, mind, soul kind of thing. And, you know, it all, all kind of links to that, in my opinion. But nonetheless, let's let's focus on something interesting now. So, you know, I, I thought there was a distinct mark between, you know, um, the life coaching, psychology, um, the doula training, you know, more like north, south, east, west type of thing. How does hypnotherapy fit into this whole equation? Well, have you heard of hypnobirthing? Heard of it, yes. Okay. Uh, I don't have great insight into it. Maybe mm. you can walk us through that. Well, hypnobirthing, uh, I don't do hypnobirthing per se because that's a very specific way of being trained, working with hypnosis and birthing. Okay. But I do use a lot of um, pre-birthing uh, hypnotherapy around releasing the mother's anxiety for example mm -hmm. so that she's able to go into her birth in a place of um, not working with the adrenals but she's working with oxytocin which mm. is the best you know that's what you work with during birth sure, so yeah. the love hormone that mm -hmm. all the contractions come are caused by the oxytocin and uh, you know it, it facilitates the whole birth it process if I'm understanding correctly is is the hypnosis aimed um, at a level deep enough to kind of focus the mind on a diversion for that time momentarily until an underlying process takes place? Or how, how exactly or how would you aim therapy in that particular sense? Um, yes, basically what you're doing is, for example, hypnobirthing is aimed at the mother's perceptions of her pain being altered so that she actually feels minimal pain mm. during labor mm -hmm. um, and it's as I said it's suggestion and because the unconscious mind doesn't know the difference between truth and lies yes you can actually tell the unconscious mind that you're drinking a delicious glass of um, grape juice mm -hmm. and it's actually vinegar Wow. And the taste buds, that physiologically, you will then taste it as grape juice and not vinegar. Sure. It's almost unthinkable. Like, mm. how, how do you how do you reconcile between, hey, you know what, I'm having, I'm having like uh, dark chocolate, which is so bitter, but in actual fact, it's pure hazelnut lint. I can't. It's 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 an interesting combination. Yeah. How, how how is that how is that achievable? Well, that's. Bottom line is the power of the mind. Mm -hmm. You know, we create over the years from the moment we were born, in fact, a collection of belief systems, mm -hmm. which are experiences that we've had, which are things that are familiar to us. Mm -hmm. So we, we prefer to work with things that are familiar, and those are the things that are known. And one of the things, you know, so, so the, the unconscious mind then says, well, this is how it is. Mm -hmm. And that's because of the filter system as well. But you take that filter system out between the unconscious and the conscious mind, anything is possible. Mm. We, we unlearn everything that we've been taught mm -hmm. in terms of, um, you know, how we should be thinking. Indeed, indeed. 
It's interesting. I don't know. P- people always have, um, you know, hypnotherapist. You should avoid it. And it's a bit <laughs> of a, uh, oh, what am I getting into? And you know, it's uh, maybe it's the anxiety that somebody's tapping into your unconscious mind, and if you don't have control over that, I guess you 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 live very vulnerable. How 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 do you make somebody comfortable about that? You know, Mohammed, in therapeutic hypnosis, mm-hmm. um, we basically look. You see the entertainers, the hypnotists on TV. Yes, yes. Um, you know, the, the the basic premise between the two ways of doing it is it's the same thing. Okay. But I'm a therapist, not an entertainer. So mm. if I hypnotized you, can I make you quack like a duck? Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. But does it serve you in any way? No, it doesn't. So I only use it from a therapeutic point of view. So people come to me, they know I'm a therapist. Um, They know that they can trust me. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't come to me. Surely. (laughs) (laughs) And then they they know that I'm not going to haul out stuff from their unconscious mind. Mm. Um, You know, it's not the aim of it. Right. Nobody in my consulting room is out of control. Mm-hmm. They emerge from the session. They've remembered everything that's been said. They know exactly what's been happening. Mm-hmm. They emerge from a session feeling really relaxed and chilled. Okay. And uh, it, that's more like the beginning to gain better focus and in order to make uh, you know proper life decisions, I'd imagine? Or yeah. how does it... Um, and the therapy is individual-based? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I do couple counseling, but not... There's no hypnotherapy in the couple counseling. All right. So it's just the one-on-one. So sure. So in a way, like a circle, you know, to try and emotionally support um, a, a woman in the place of pregnancy or mm-hmm. at the time of birth with the doula impact and then hypnotizing her to avoid anxiety, all in a good way, I mean, of course, mm-hmm. and um, kind of all interlinked i see i see the link now mm, mm. what are some of the challenges you face in this entire circle it's an interesting question um the the challenges that i face are really when people don't do their homework okay <laughs> when they they come to me for help with whatever it is in whichever arena okay the dollar one is a bit different mm-hmm. um um, but you know they 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 need to do the help and they they you know I've, I've I've had people who come to me every week for weeks on end mm-hmm. and they don't think about the session between the moment they walk out of my door and the next time they walk in sure and so that it's just like a venting arena and I find that very challenging it's if you're here and you're spending money paying me to facilitate in your recovery from something or shifting or growth or whatever it is. Um, you need to do the work. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, I, I, I don't find huge challenges a lot of the time, I must say, Mohammed, because okay. I'm actually, I believe, one of those incredibly fortunate people mm-hmm. who I just am passionate about what I do. Okay. And if there is something that is prickly for me, then then I'm going to learn from it. Mm. I'm, I'm going to go, okay, then what was that about? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the people say, you know, you, you, you've had six back-to-back clients today. You must be exhausted. Mm-hmm. I get home, I'm walking on air. Wow. I am so pumped. Interesting. It's like, yes, you know, and it's, for example, if I've been at a birth, mm-hmm. um, people say to me, what's the reward of being a doula? Mm. Well, I can go on endlessly. We'd need another three hours for that. Wow. But the bottom, <laughs> my answer is, I'm an oxytocin junkie. Mm. I like that, oxytocin junkie. Yeah. But uh, let's keep it at that for now. Let's head back to the marketplace and resume with our final segment, right here on Born to Serve. Born to Serve. My eyes see injustice. My hands work for change. My tongue sing the sorrow. Welcome back, respected listeners. In our final segment with Ms. Angela Morton, 
um, who happens to be a personality with lots of feathers in a cap at this point in time. Um, good thing is it's all interlinked. It's all um, somewhat complementary. And uh, most importantly, it brings about the greatest job satisfaction for you. Mm, absolutely. An oxytocin junkie is what she refers to herself. But I think it's more than that. There's a lot that has gone through in, you know, turning where she is today. Um, <laughs> you know, just going through a little bit back, uh, 49 and after that. And I would imagine your life is more like chalk and cheese at this point from what it was, where you were to where you are right now. Absolutely. And let's let, let's let's try and get into where to start. What what is your first step of recourse? What is your first step of you know taking a taking a leap of faith into the positive direction? Uh, to just acknowledge, I think mm -hmm. that change needs to happen. Right. And once you are able to to get that, own it, mm. and then start. Start being curious. Okay, mm. curiosity. Mm. Well, <laughs> kills many things, but uh, <laughs> I hope not your journey to success in understanding, recognizing your mental health and issues surrounding that. And then, um, when not busy with all of this, how do you maintain job satisfaction throughout? I know it's very passionate, but not draining at all. Not tiring, not taxing. I mean, if I had to have a conversation with a person for four hours, as much as I like them, <laughs> I guess you're still going to fall asleep eventually, <laughs> you know? Okay. Well, I think um, I don't consult every day. Mm, perks off. So I do have gaps in between. Okay. And, um, you know, b the dulla part, I guess, is a little bit more of the strain in terms of when you've got a birth coming up mm -hmm. uh, you're on call from two weeks before the t the estimated due date mm -hmm. and so you're always on your you know you, you're you can't leave your phone you can't be out of earshot mm. um, you've got to sleep with your phone next to your bed so you're, you're kind of like you can't relax you okay. can't and I mean, the life of, of, of midwives and dwellers is, you know, you make arrangements and you say, I'll see you then if I'm not at a birth. Mm. So um, th that I find more challenging than, than the actual job itself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, the, the being on call and uh, not being able to just have that complete downtime. Um, and and the fact then that, you know, you never know how long birth is going to take. That's the other thing. So I think the longest birth I ever did was I went there, I got there quarter to 12 on a Monday night, and it was a home birth, okay. which landed up in hospital because um, it didn't progress well, but I got back at 3 o'clock the Thursday morning. Wow. So it was 52 hours, I think, in total. Sure. And that was exhausting. I was hallucinating from lack of sleep <laughs> in the end. <laughs> oh, those hallucinations, yeah. what people do to get them yeah. hallucinations going on. But okay, <laughs> uh, that's that's um, quite quite dreadful. So yeah. it's not straightforward and easy, you know, all hanky-go-dory. Mm. It's, it's, still, it's still challenging in that sense of the, the word too. Yeah. But I think the, the satisfaction which um, newborn or first-time mums gain from that is mm. probably quite... It's riveting, you know. Mm. It, it it gives them, it sets them on a path to, uh, you know, continue acceptance and a good journey forward. Absolutely, and the and the newborns, absolutely, mm -hmm. um, just being born into, into this amazing place of love, into being held, into being, um, you know, the the, the whole uh, doula process. It's what we learn about, for mm -hmm. example, is like small things like the microbiome of the of the newborn mm -hmm. and how important all of these natural things are um you know skin to skinning putting the baby on the skin straight after birth yes what that immune um you know how that's feeding the baby's immune system just mm -hmm. by being on the mother's skin surely you know, there's a whole um uh, you know uh, huge amounts of that sort of thing that has been the clinical aspects have removed okay that we're trying to in the best interests of mm -hmm. the of the, the the children's health, their immune systems, all of these, and the and the mothers and fathers need this education mm. going forward. Absolutely, for the best for their So, children. in your current space and context, where to from here? 
Um, well, the training is fairly new, mm. so I'm settling into that. And um, I'm almost not planning okay. because I'm just being guided and going with it. Mm. And that's how it very much feels for me. Taking day by day and just... Is, is there something in the wind or something hitting you from some <laughs> corner that's just like in your path and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it? Well, what's the inspiration? The inspiration comes out of, I think, of finally feeling like I've landed. Okay. Like the plan has is now happening. Mm. That's how it, it certainly feels for me. Um, that that I've trusted in the process for the last 12, 13 years. Gives my age away. Um, <laughs> <Surely>. <laughs> but I've trusted in that process and, and through just trusting it and allowing it and letting it lead me mm. has been very inspiring for me. Okay, wonderful. I think that's uh, where we can leave it off. But before we let you off the hook in... Not so few seconds from now. So besides hypnotizing and relieving anxiety of newborn mums and uh, dealing with difficult clients, what do you do in your spare time? Um, what do I do? Walk. Okay. <laughs> Exercise. I watch series. Um, all the normal sort of things uh, <laughs> that people do in their downtime, I guess. Okay. I d I'm busy compiling a bunch of blogs that I'm trying to work out. I'm, I'm very uh, technologically challenged, mm. and I want to get a blog site up and running, whatever that is or whatever it looks like. Mm -hmm. I just want to yet walk in, should fix little f footsteps there and get some publishing going. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. I think... Yeah. Uh, Showing all those words and those uh, pearls of wisdom that you have in your cap from the many years before 49 and beyond um, into little publications online. I think technology is the way forward for yeah, most people. For so sure. um, that's where we're heading to. But anyways, uh, Miss Morton, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so much for taking the time out and showing your insight and some of your concise yet meaningful um, words of uh, your journey called life. I do appreciate it. Thank you, Mohammed. It's been lovely talking to you. It's an absolute pleasure. So yes, Angela Morton is whom we have featured this evening. Um, Diploma Counseling and Communications Coaching from SA Cap, Certified Therapeutic Hypnotherapist, Accredited Time to Think Coach and Certified Mama Bamba Doula and Doula Trainer. Yes, indeed, if you want to make contact with uh, Angela, you can contact our producer. Uh, that's Yasmina at vocfm.co.za to get in contact with Angela uh, and share contact details from there. But uh, that's it from me, Muhammad Sheikh. I hope you are well. Hope you take it easy, inshallah. Till the next time, keep well, keep safe. Fi amanillah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo.